The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Hi, my name is Candace. At about 22 years old, I got married and we ended up having six amazing daughters together. In 2008, our oldest daughter, Cameron, became very sick. She was in and out of the hospital, and eventually she was diagnosed with a terminal illness. My husband and I decided to take our careers and downsize them and relocate to a more rural area so that Cameron could get better. She started getting better when we moved, um, not as many stints in the hospital, and she finally got the surgery that she needed and was actually getting better. On January 12th of 2010, we were taking Cameron to the doctors to get another checkup. We were hit head on by another driver and Cameron was killed instantly. Uh, about the same time I had crawled out of the vehicle that was turned upside down and I tried to help my husband as well. His injuries were such that he didn't make it and he died at the scene as well. I remember jumping out of the car and looking up at the sky and screaming, what are you doing God? Why are you doing this to us? My girls, the remaining five and I, had to start our lives all over again. The girls were depressed. I felt lost, lonely, depressed, and alone. I was literally broken. The God that I thought I knew, the relationship that I thought that I had with Christ all that time, made me question everything. I needed God then more than ever before. We appreciate Candace's courage to be willing to share. Family's here right now with us. And what do you do except you respond with kind of a gulp? There aren't really good words. Where in your life, what situation has left you saying, I'm ruined, my life is completely broken. It doesn't look anything like the way I thought it would look. It's, it's in pieces, it's in fragments. Not some just quick temporary crisis situation, not just some difficulty that's going on in your life, but storms and crisis that leave your life rocked and wrecked and ruined, where you look up to heaven and you think, if there is a God, where are you and what are you doing? And how do you live your life? How, how do you move on from those moments? Maybe your story doesn't look or sound anything like Candace's, but you have a story, a story of being wrecked and rocked and ruined and where it is nearly impossible to just pick up and move on. And when you try to move on, you feel incredibly tethered to the pain and the problems of the past. Your thoughts run back there. Your emotions race back there. And you move forward pensive, cautious, waiting for the next shoe to fall. In 1933, 
two bridges began construction uh, in, San, in the San Francisco Bay Area. The first bridge was called the Bay Bridge. Uh, budgeted at $77 million, which in today's terms would be at $2.2 billion. Uh, a massive bridge that stands to this day has gone through some reconstruction, but same bridge is there. And when they ba began construction, the engineers and the bosses, uh, they calculate the budget, they calculate the amount of time it would take to build, and they also factor into their budget the cost of life at the estimate of one life per million dollars spent. So if it was $77 million, it was gonna cost them 77 lives. No bridge, no construction project to that point had cost anywhere near that much money or that much life. And so they came in uh, at budget, and when it comes to the loss of life, they came in under budget. Instead of losing 77 workers, they lost only 24 workers over the span of three years and five months. Wait, 24 workers? Right now, it is considered the 16th deadliest construction project in the world. Because bosses and engineers calculated the loss of life and considered it acceptable to lose workers. And so think about how every worker functioned, fully aware that there was a calculation on the value of their life no precautions were taken, and so every worker worked cautiously, pensively, fully aware that they could be next. They saw a friend fall. They lost another coworker the other day, and so everybody works. I mean, you're talking at towering heights with fierce winds and swirling waters below, and everybody worked slowly and cautiously, afraid for their life, waiting for what could go wrong and inevitably would go wrong. And I think so many of us go through life feeling just like that, that there is some boss, there is some overseer in our life that has calculated the value of our, of our life and our pain and factored it into the cost of doing business. We live and feel like collateral damage. And as a result, we go through life cautious, pensive, feeling a little insecure, and a little unstable about our future. And Jesus spoke to people like the engineers and the bosses of the Bay Bridge, only not to workers and builders of construction projects like the Bay Bridge, but to religious leaders, religious leaders who are building religious empires. He spoke to them like they were bosses who calculated into their budget the cost of doing business and considered people superfluous, who used people on how they could add value to their life. Religious leaders who used their followers for what they could get out of them, power and position and prestige. And so Jesus spoke and his words have been recorded and captured by eyewitnesses. One of those eyewitnesses, a guy named John, John, a close friend and follower of Jesus, who was listening to the teachings of Jesus, who saw Jesus crucified, who was there when Jesus was resurrected, saw and met resurrected Jesus, was there and watched Jesus ascend into heaven, 
and later sat down and wrote out the, the narrative of Jesus' life and teachings. And that writing has been captured and passed on throughout history to the point where it's been included in the Bible, the gospel according to John, an eyewitness account of the life and teachings of Jesus. And there, John captures in his book, chapter 10, this moment where Jesus is teaching and he says, and he's speaking about and to these religious leaders, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter by the sheep pen, but by the gate, or by the gate, but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. And so he's putting people into two categories. He goes, there are some of you who are sheep. You're going through life, and there are others who are thieves and robbers who break in, who climb and cheat their way in the back way. Their motives are evil, and their intentions are selfish, and they see you as a means to an end, and there is a world system at work that sees you as collateral damage, as a means to an end. And so people and systems in the world around you is using you and discarding you. And Jesus said, those are the thieves and the robbers. But then he contrasts. He says, the man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. He said, there are two, there are, there's two types of people. There are the sheep and there are the thieves and the robbers. But then there's this other individual. He's a shepherd. He loves the sheep and he cares for the sheep. He watches over the sheep and he enters by the gate to the pen. And instead of going in to take something from the sheep, to rob from them, to steal from them, his goal was to care for them. And, and I, you know, I was reading this. I said, I could relate to this. I, I think sometimes I, I have that mentality, how I could use or abuse. It's kind of how I view pigs. Um, when I see it, we, we had the egg hunt and there was a little pig there, a little porker. And um, when I see a pig, I think, oh, how cute and cuddly. That's what I say. But what I really mean is, hmm, bacon. <laughs> and, and what Jesus is saying is there are people in your life that view you, hmm, bacon. Here's what I can get from you. Here's what I can take from your life. He goes, but then there's this one the shepherd who enters the right way into your life and his only goal is your care and your, and your, care, your, uh, your care and your protection who offers comfort and compassion. And so Jesus in his teaching continues. He said, therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. Here's what Jesus is saying to you and us, to those that were listening that day. Uh, I realize, you know, we don't live in a, an agrarian society or culture. We don't often interact with sheep and shepherds. I've had the privilege of traveling to parts of the world where there, it is common to see sheep on the hillside and you see a shepherd with his sheep. I've gotten a chance to walk through flocks of sheep. I was on a hike uh, last year and literally we, we, on the roadway up the mountain, we had to walk through a, a flock of sheep. And I will tell you, sheep are completely defenseless. There's nothing they can do to protect themselves. They are vulnerable to attack. They are completely vulnerable to thieves and robbers. They are completely vulnerable to wolves and predators. And they mindlessly follow each other. 
They're, they're vulnerable to being caught in a thicket of briars because, you know, they got that thick wool and they can easily get stuck. And what Jesus says is, I am the gate. And what he means is a shepherd would go out and gather his sheep and bring them all into the pen where they would rest at night. And as they're coming into the pen, he would stand at the gate and he would function as the doorway, meaning he would be their protection. He would gather them up to protect them. He would bring them in. He would call them by name. The shepherd knows the sheep so well that he has every one of them named and they know the voice of the shepherd and will respond to their name being called. He will call their name. They will individually come. They will walk by him into the pen as they're walking by the shepherd who is functioning as the gateway to entrance counts them calls them by name and then it does a health exam on them he literally checks their body for injury and wound and if he finds wounds he anoints them with balm so that as they rest their bodies can heal then he closes the gate if there's any missing he goes searching for the lost sheep until he finds the sheep while he leaves the others in safety in the pen. He goes out at, his, at the risk of his own life to find that sheep. And when he finds it, he brings it back and then he rests. He puts himself at the gateway of the pen where he stays the night and sleeps through the night right there so that anyone trying to get in would have to go over him. Jesus is saying, I am the doorway. I am the entrance to protection. I am the entrance to pasture, and I know you, and I call you by name. I've named each of you. I invite you in. I welcome you, and when you come in, I invite you into my protection as your shepherd. As the doorway, I examine you, and I bring healing to your life, and then I am your guard. I watch over you while you rest. I stay up at the risk of my own life to make sure you are well. And then Jesus continues in verse 11. He simply says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd who serves as a gateway to enter into protection and pasture. A good shepherd who is both a guard and a guide. A good shepherd who brings both protection and provision. A good shepherd who invites people into protection and pasture, who cares about the wholeness and the wellness of a sheep. And you hear all that and you say, how does that apply to my life? Here it is. This is the main point as you hear the words and teachings of Jesus written and recorded by John. It's this. This is what you can apply to your life. This is what I encourage you to write down and take notes on. This is what I encourage you to type into your smartphone or your tablet. If you're on social media, this is what you put in the comment section in all caps. Here it is. We are saved and safe in God's protection. When you and I are going through life feeling wrecked and rocked and ruined, we can discover God's protection which invites us in and gives us salvation and safety. Here is our challenge. As much as it pains us to hear Candace's story and her family's story and her surviving children, their pain and their journey, what we are all acutely aware of is that every one of us are ruined beyond imagination. 
Not just in physical crisis, not just in the loss of life or a diagnosis of a loved one or maybe your own suffering, not just in a horrible phone call that you got or not just in the loss of a home or a job, but we are ruined beyond our wildest imagination, beyond our greatest horrors. There is a ruin at work in us and that ruin is called sin. Here is how it works. Jesus explains it in John chapter 10, verse 10, where he says, the thief... The thief and the robber who comes in sees the sheep like pigs to get bacon, right? I guess I should say like lambs for mutton, I don't know, whatever. Uh, he says this, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Okay, so who is the thief? The thief is a, there is an intelligent evil called Satan at work in the world around us with only evil intentions, motivated purely by selfishness, who works and uses the evil system of the world we live in. So we live in a corrupted world. I think you all would easily agree with me. A corrupted world that is not just intentionally evil, but is broken beyond repair. As a result, horrible things happen in a broken world. And horrible people do horrible things, and they set up horrible systems that wound us and injure us, leaving us broken beyond imagination. But it's not just that there is an intelligent evil called Satan who uses the broken evil world around us, but there is an evil at work in every one of our lives and hearts, that evil called sin. We are our own worst enemy because sin tricks us into believing that the decisions and the desires in our life that are sabotaging us are actually good for us. Your sin nature is at work in you, sabotaging you, constantly setting you up for the, what is worst and wrecking and ruining your life. So you and I, we willingly stumble, driven by an internal enemy that is out to destroy us. Sin not only wrecks us and ruins us and hurts relationships, but worst of all, it cut us off from relationship with God, separating us from God and all that is good that he brings to our life. And the end of sin. So it's not just that it steals from us, stealing God, what is good. It's not just that it steals our marriage or wants to steal our children or wants to steal the, what's best in our life, but the end is it wants to kill us. But not just a physical death. The goal is not just to kill, but to destroy sin partnered with an evil world and, a, and an evil one who's motivated to destroy, the goal is our eternal judgment, and that's the consequence of sin, to steal, kill, and to destroy. And so our life trajectory is eternal judgment. But God was unwilling to leave us there, and so Jesus continues in his teaching. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. He's inviting us to trade the abandoned life for the abundant life. How? Well, he continues and teaches how we can shift from an abandoned life to an abundant life and from a ruined life to a restored life. And he invites us to know him. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. He, he, Jesus goes like this, look, I, I've come that you may have life and have abundant life. But how do I bring you this life? Well, I am the good shepherd. Anybody else, when they see the terror of the wolf coming, they run away. 
But I, as a good shepherd, have positioned myself between the sheep and their certain destruction and have laid down my life for the life of the sheep. Clearly a metaphor. Here's the metaphor Jesus was trying to uh, verbally create, that his mission was to come as a good shepherd and to give his life, to willingly lay down his life for the safety and the protection of his sheep. How? He saw the, the teeth and the bite and the blows of the wolf, the wolf of evil the wolf of sin, the wolf of eternal judgment, and he steps in between us and the judgment we deserve, the bites of sin that lead to our eternal ruin. And he took it all on himself so that he, was, he absorbed the blows and the bite of sin and of judgment and of eternal wrath from God against sin. And he absorbed it all when Jesus came to earth and he died on a cross. He did not die as a martyr. He did not die just a physical death. He didn't just die as a good guy who taught good things. Jesus came to earth, the son of God, the perfect God-man, who willingly came as the good shepherd to put himself between the sheep and certain ruin to absorb all of the judgment against sin. So that when he died, he died once for all. His death, the full and complete payment for the eternal death sentence of sin. His death, the full payment to absorb the judgment against sin so that when he died, no one would ever have to die again in their sin. If they would believe in Jesus by faith, they would be forgiven of their sin and given new life. They would be given eternal life because God's spirit comes and lives in our spirit when we believe in Jesus by faith. And when his spirit is alive in our spirit, we don't just receive spiritual life, we receive eternal life. This changes everything. So Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And how do you apply this to your life? Well, let me take that main point into two points. First, we are saved in God's protection. The work that God is doing in your life when you believe in him by faith, we're thinking primarily external issues, physical issues, but God's primary concern is the internal and the spiritual. His desire is to bring wholeness and wellness to our life as he, as we are saved in God's protection. The good shepherd who invites us through the doorway into eternal life. And Jesus says, I am the gate or the doorway, meaning I am the one who invites you in. I call you by name. I bring healing to your life, and then I guard you once you're in my protection. It also implies a very clear understanding that if Jesus is the door, he is the only door, he is the only gateway to God's protection, which means there are no other doors through any other religion or any other faith or any other access point. There's no other way to enter into God's protection there's no other way to be saved except to be invited by name through the call of Jesus Christ, the healing of Jesus, and the guarding of Jesus over our lives. But when you are invited and you're called by name and you enter in and are saved by God's protection, it changes everything. 
even in the midst of life rocking and life wrecking ruin. When you discover Jesus as the good shepherd, your life is changed. And so we invited Candace to share a little bit more of her story. So check this out. Shortly after the accident, my daughters and I relocated to Hagerstown. I began looking for a church home on the internet and I found LifeHouse. I noticed that they had a mom's group and so I decided to attend. It was the best decision I ever made. I met so many amazing people through the mom's life group and through our other life group turntables. It really feels like home. As a result of what happened with the accident and losing my loved ones, I've learned to be more compassionate, to love on others, to take time, to make time for others, and to be very diligent about my dealings with God. My relationship with Christ has gotten much better. The girls and I are no longer depressed. We reach out to Christ. The girls have given their lives to the Lord, and we all are actively involved in serving in LifeHouse. I am Candace, and because of Jesus, I am made whole. Candace, we applaud you and your family and your courage because your story inspires others to say, even when I am ruined through Jesus, I can be made whole. So how do you respond to Jesus, the good shepherd, who says, I am the gateway, I am the good shepherd, so that you and I can be changed? I was ruined. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and now I am made whole. How? How does that work? This, simply Jesus is teaching, and he, he gives the introductory comment. He says this in verse 3, the watchman opens the gate for him. So the father opens the gate for his son Jesus to invite people into God's protection, right? The watchman opens the gate for him. As the sheep listen to his voice, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Okay, here it is. What do the sheep do? Innocent sheep, vulnerable sheep, sheep that are isolated and alone, sheep that have no natural defenses, sheep that just go with the flow and follow the crowd. What do the sheep do? They do nothing except respond to the voice of the shepherd. You don't do anything to save yourself. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You don't work for it. All you and I do is we hear the voice of God's spirit inviting us by name to know and follow Jesus and we respond and we follow him. The only response we have is to, is to follow the voice of God's spirit as he invites us through the doorway of God's protection in faith to obey and follow Jesus. Did you catch that? I realized that was a lot there, so let me kind of put my arms around it. Here it is, very simply. As a sheep, you follow the voice of the shepherd. You and I respond to the call of God by following Jesus. We follow Jesus, his invitation and his call into God's protection. That into is called salvation. We are saved in God's protection. And we are invited in the only thing we do, and, and it's really what we continue to do, and that is that we follow Jesus, the good shepherd. 
He has our best interest. What is best in and for our life, he has that in mind. His desire is to bring healing. His desire is to guard and guide us. And as we follow, we then begin to discover the next part of not only being saved in God's protection, but this, we are safe in God's pasture. We are safe. And as we are invited into the pasture of God's protection. Again, we look for the immediate and the external. We want healings that instantly bring healing to our physical bodies. We want the healing that, that makes us feel better. We, we're looking for drugs to, to quench the pain in our physical bodies. We're looking for a therapist to tell us everything is going to be okay and to make us feel good about ourselves. We, we look for relationships where someone can add value to us and make us feel comforted. But when Jesus came, he was brutally beaten. He was spiritually judged. He suffered not just as a martyr. He was not murdered. He gave his life as a shepherd. He offered his brutal, he offered his life in brutal beatings to absorb the blow and the bite from the wolf of evil, not so you and I could receive a temporary, physical, feel better moment. Don't miss that. Everything Jesus endured was not so you could just feel better about life. Jesus did not endure that. So you could just get quick fix band-aids physically or emotionally or mentally. Jesus' mission was to invite us into the safety of God's pasture so that we could experience internal and spiritual transformation and eternal life. The, the wholeness and the wellness that God brings into our life is a spiritual transformation. The safety he gives us is a spiritual covering and it's spiritual pasture because the greatest ruin in our life is spiritual devastation that has physical mental, emotional, and relational symptoms. So God first deals with the root issue of our spiritual corruption and spiritual brokenness. And equally, the wellness and the healness that God brings begins to manifest itself outwardly. So we are invited to trade the abandoned life for the abundant life, to trade the ruined life for a restored life. God has not come just to make us feel good, but to restore us, to transform us. What does that sound like and look like? The healing that God brings, a healing that brings wellness and wholeness as we are invited to be safe in God's pasture, is a healing that is deep and transformational. Let me kind of just quickly break this down for you. The healing of God, which sets us free from the things that control us. Only God can do that, right? Free us from the addictions and the life-controlling habits that lead to our destruction and ruin. He, his healing sets us free from the way of thinking that has corrupted us, the sin, the spiritual sin disease that causes desires and decisions that lead toward our ruin. He sets us free from sin and puts his spirit in us so that he can lead us into right ways of living. His healing transforms our thinking, transforms our emotional state so that we are no longer dragging the regrets and the shame, the pain, the fears, the abuses of the past that affects our present and, and robs our future. He brings healing 
to the spiritual blindness in our life. He, he heals our blindness that we can see. You don't necessarily need your physical eyes to see, but boy, you need spiritual eyes to see your future and to see your purpose and to see your destiny as defined by God. Here's the deal. If every time you were sick, Jesus just instantly healed you because he, we find safety in his pasture, all you would receive is a really healthy body in a cruel and messed up world. If every time you and I ended up in the hospital with a fatal situation, Jesus resurrected us so that always we live in a resurrected state of immortality. How cruel would it be to live in this world with immortality, but suffering always the punishment and the consequence of sin? No, when you see through the eyes of the good shepherd, a shepherd who saves and offers safety, we understand then that we are invited into God's protection and God's pasture. Then we don't interpret every situation and every crisis and every tragedy through the lens of um, a shepherd who has abandoned us, but a shepherd who offers abundant life. And this life is temporary, but because we are saved and safe in the protection and the pasture of Jesus as a good shepherd, then we know sickness has no bite. Death has no sting because those are a gateway to true and eternal life with God forever. Now I, I see the world around me different. King David, this ancient ruler of the nation of Israel, um, went through an incredible season of ruin. His son Absalom wanted to take the throne and gathered soldiers to start a civil war to overthrow his father and steal the throne from him. When David heard the rumors that soldiers were marching against the city of Jerusalem, he took a small contingency and ran for his life. Hiding in the hills, in the mountains, he reflected on his situation and he wrote one of the most famous songs you'll have ever read. He wrote, the Lord, he's my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still in quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness in the right way of living for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me because I know you know what's best for me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. For a shepherd, a table would be the, the field or the pasture where, a, where the sheep could go and eat. David's writing and says, you prepare a banquet feast for me. While the wolves of sin and Satan and the evil world around me is stalking to hunt and eat me, you spread out a banquet for me to feast. And you are my protection and my safety. You anoint my head with oil, right? The idea of God bringing healing and balm into the pain and the woundedness of my life. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in your house. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Instead of the wolves of sin and Satan and the world hunting me, you know what God allows to hunt us? 
his goodness and his mercy. In 1933, when they were constructing the Bay Bridge, I told you there was another bridge being built, the Golden Gate Bridge. The engineer, Jeff Strauss, or jo I'm sorry, Joseph Strauss, thought that the equation of a million dollars to a life was unacceptable. He did something that no engineer or boss had ever done before. And he invested into significant safety precautions. He designed and they created, built the first safety net ever used in construction. And they hung a net across the entire span of the Golden Gate Bridge as they built it, just under the building area so that if anybody fell, they would fall into the net. 19 people's lives were spared because they fell into a net of protection designed by a boss who did not see them as a casualty of the project or as superfluous or as collateral damage. Jesus is the good engineer of your life who has put safety measures in place. He's not just a good engineer, he is the net. So that when you and I fall from certain sin, we fall into the safety of his protection. He is our guard and our guide. He is our protection and our pasture because he is the gate and the good shepherd. Where do you right now need to recognize that you have wandered off from the flock? You strayed from the good shepherd and it's time for you to return to God. The only response you have. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You don't try to impress the shepherd. The only thing you do is when you hear your name called, you respond. And I believe that right now, whether you're present here or you're going to watch this on video or you're online with us right now, you are beginning to hear the voice of the Spirit of God calling you by name, inviting you into relationship with him where you are saved and safe. And the only thing you can do is respond and say, yes, God, I receive you by faith. And if that's where you're at, would you right now respond? Others of you, you, you know Jesus as your good shepherd, but you've strayed. It's time for you to repent and return. Others of you, 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 you know Jesus, but you're not enjoying the pasture. You're looking for quick fixes when God wants to transform you from within. Would you take a moment and would you allow God's spirit to speak to your spirit? Would you do that right now? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.